This is The Topic is Trek, episode 143, for Friday, August 11th, 2023. Coming up in this episode, all singing, some dancing, Voyager A, ooh, the Gorn are not gone, all that and more right now on The Topic is Trek. New Klingons on the block. (laughs) Welcome to The Topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it. Sooner or later, because on this show, the topic is Trek. Engage already! Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another thrill-packed edition of The Topic is Trek. I'm Clinton, one of your co-hosts, and... Logically enough, I'm sorry, logically enough, that probably sounds a bit better, I have to have co-hosts to be a co-host. So first, beaming in to join me from parts unknown with the hip new catchphrase that you, you, and you will be TikToking about tomorrow, maybe, let's find out, Mr. Craig Step. I could do this all day. Well, okay, it's a franchise, so we're <laughs> we're we're getting somewhere with this. But uh, I was referring no. to podcasting. I could do this all day. Uh, I see. Well, <laughs> then it's not a, so much a franchise; it's more of a, a hobby. Yeah, a journey. A, a journey. A, <laughs> yeah. No destination, just journey. Clinton, tell us about your podcasting journey. Uh, it all started with a five thousand watt radio station out of New New Jersey. I would no, let's, let's, share let's your not. pain with us. Oh. <laughs> And apparently already forming in the transporter as we speak from also from other parts unknown is Mr. Chuck Tomasi. It's, it's, oh, it's not quite funny. human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the when with the troubles. It, okay. I when you when you did your three bullets at the beginning, you said Voyager A. I thought, what well, suddenly he's turned Canadian. Yes, yeah. well, it's, you know, you spent some time in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada, perhaps. Uh, right on the whole, it says Voyager E-H. H, yeah. <laughs> Filmed in Toronto. It's not so much a 10 forward as, as, a, as a place to get some, some donuts and poutine. Right. But uh, anyway, to all our friends in Canada, hello, how you doing? <laughs> we apologize. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we don't... We won't get a chance to cover it in detail this time around, but they've got a switch up going on in Canada. Uh, Crave was the place, uh, if I understand this correctly, Crave showed the new episodes of Trek as broadcast or on their their uh, their cable service. Well, those are being pulled back and are going to be on Paramount Plus in Canada. Uh, they'll still be shown on the Sci-Fi Channel in hmm. Canada, but uh, there's a big bit of a switch up going on there. Um, I think you're doing that. You think they kind of, you should stick with something throughout the whole series or unless they're doing it after the series. Pick a lane. Uh, (laughs) I think it's, I think it's beginning again this week or next week. So again, next week, I suppose it wouldn't be that much of a big deal, but this week, yeah, that would be a bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, you got, coming up in that last episode. I'm sorry, you don't have Paramount Plus. <laughs> you, good, luck, good, good luck finding it. Psych. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to be covering two new episodes of Strange New Worlds that both came out on Thursdays for a change. Very refreshing. Mm -hmm. uh, so there will be spoilers as we talk about these. And we're going to be covering a, a little bit of news. But mainly we're going to be talking about these two episodes because I think there's, there's a bit to talk about in completely different ways, believe me, between these two episodes. Oh, yeah. All right. So let us start our main mission part one with an appropriate sound effect. You sure? I'm sure. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, that works. It actually kind of works for this one because... Yeah. We are talking about, first of all, Star Trek Strange New World Subspace Rhapsody, written by Dana Horgan and Bill Walkoff, and directed by Dermot Downs. And a short plot synopsis of this one is, when Spock and Uhura attempt to use a naturally occurring subspace fold to increase communication speed, they accidentally dislodge a quantum uncertainty field. Yes, you know, that, that tends to happen. The results... This results in a new reality causing the Enterprise crew to break into un uncontrollably into song. Even worse, the field is expanding and beginning to impact other ships, allies and enemies alike. So this is the fabled musical episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Actually, it's the hey. first musical episode of Star Trek, period. Well, let me, let me say this right off the bat. If you're not watching... The video of this show, you need to go look at this. <laughs> this well, the podcast will have the artwork together. on it too, right? Or in the article. Do what? Won't oh, I'll up. definitely put this picture in there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did up a, a, a quick uh, Photoshop of um, Pelia, Lon, and Spock in three of the positions in the, the, the video that they have for uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. So yeah. they are taking those three positions in the in the photo but brian may still made the cut yeah because <laughs> he, um, he's got a space angle to him i couldn't i couldn't help it because i don't think i'm the only one when they saw that particular shot didn't think oh that's like the quick homage to bohemian rhapsody sure because they just have the three of them there and two of them are staring off to the left and the right mm -hmm. and one is staring straight ahead what song right. was that during uh that was during i believe that was during the finale Ah, okay. That they that they had that shot. Well, I wouldn't put it past the producers because they like to slip in little things like that. They absolutely mm -hmm. do. All right. So where should we start with this one? Because we got a lot to cover here. Well, we've got a lot with characters uh, development, which is a surprise. But yes, well, Greg, I want to say that. Okay, I, I for one do not seek out musicals. They they don't really super appeal to me. But for mm -hmm. this one, of course, it's Star Trek. And I felt like I've got to see this, obviously. So I'm, I'm going to see it. And it really floored me. I, I super enjoyed the uh, the way they worked the songs in. I think everybody did a fantastic job. So that's where I'll start with, is uh, not being a musical guy, that this really uh, sang to me. Oh, Wow. <laughs> work all week on that one? I don't know. Uh, let me take the notes down now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly, Eric's. Uh, it didn't. It didn't rise to the level of your musical that you wrote on for your podcast, but just saying. Yeah, well, it was interesting because this is the first musical I've watched since I've done one myself. So there were certain things I was looking for in this. Uh, <laughs> Hurts more when you've done it yourself. You appreciate it more. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Well, the uh, even the production team talked about this thing. It required a lot more prep time than a regular episode. They started working on this one, oh, yeah. I think, six months before they started filming it. I believe it. So, yes. I, lots I think of- uh, some of the cast even had to get lessons to learn how to sing is what I was reading. I yeah. noticed a dramatic improvement from when Ethan Peck sang karaoke on the cruise. I didn't think that was his voice when he was singing. Uh, what oh, was yeah. it? I am the X. Uh, and, and I went, I had to go look and yeah, that's him. So I oh, yeah. think some of them did get training. Oh yeah. I think Ethan Peck actually had a really good voice. I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, he's got a good voice anyway. So I just um uh if he what hadn't been singing, he's you could tell he worked at it because it uh it yeah. came across. Yeah, I think all of them um well the the couple of the uh cast didn't really need to have much vocal, you know, coaching. Mm-hmm. Like Sally, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, but uh, other ones did and they definitely got it because you you're you're putting your best foot forward. Now I can't say whether or not there was any auto-tune on the people that weren't used to singing um because if you use it subtly it's really hard to detect yeah. when you get you know when you get the share do you believe type of effect going mm-hmm. on then you can definitely tell oh if i could if i if i had heard auto tune that have been that tune tune me out big time I, I don't like that at all yeah. you know if it if it's obvious you know i can't stand I, I i have to admit i was a little a little disappointed on some of the stronger numbers um Mm-hmm. The one that I think it was Lon was singing. Hang on, tickle oh. in the throat. Okay. <clears throat> she was singing, and I know all of this was overdubbed, but when you're singing loud and passionately and, and fortissimo and your veins aren't popping in your neck, that's what turns me off. It's like now you're just mouthing along. It well, look realistic is what you're it saying. Need, yeah, it needs to look realistic. Like you're performing this and it, it didn't look performed in many cases. Mm-hmm. Well, keep in mind that they, if they're doing anything, they're singing along to the pre-recorded track. Oh, I, yeah, I know. For this, because you have to sync up every single take to and inter, you know, intercut that. Mm-hmm. So they are, they are indeed lip syncing. I'm sure there are many cases they're singing, but they are probably not singing Necessarily with the same intensity because yeah, when you're doing these type of shots, you're going to be doing it over and over and over and over I don't again. Know, I've all seen day. Even convincing lip battles. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> it was convincing lip sync, and their facial expressions were there, but you can tell in the neck when mm-hmm. when it's when it's yeah. really being done. Yeah, so that was that was my only gripe on the the performance aspect of it. But I thought I actually thought that 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 song. Um, was one of the more what it was describing this episode when it was done was was it was a lot of fun and it was really sad at the same time and this was one of those sad songs where yeah. um you know she's lamenting the fact that she really can't have this existence that she experienced mm-hmm. uh, in that alternate universe and she's oh. yep yeah. and let's talk for a second about what led into this was that she opened up to Kirk. What was it after this? 
before after, after well, this this yeah. is before she opens up to him. She opened up to him and turns out that he is uh he's in already. a relationship with yeah. Carol Marcus and he he's aware that she's pregnant at the time, which I at first I thought, wait, did he even know she was she was having a baby? I guess she he was aware of David, right? Oh yeah. Oh in, yeah, in definitely because he because he said he said um is this I did what you I did what you wanted I stayed away. So yeah. he was well aware of that. I yeah. thought it was going to be some cheesy line like I'm already in love and her name is Enterprise or Farragut or something like oh no 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 no. no. Thank How goodness they did do Farragut, that. He's never there. <laughs> That's right. That's why he's he's having an affair with the Enterprise. No, I was just I, I was just saying when she said when he was saying that and she's pregnant I just I had to think for a second. Wait, he was aware of it, right? Yeah, he oh, yeah. was aware of it. So um I mean, uh, so I, I, but he's in, this is that moment in time where he knows it's all coming or it's a, it's a point that we all know about later. They, they could have, get- they could have crossed that line and Lon goes, yeah, when he says, I'm in love, I'm, I'm already seeing somebody, her name's Carol and she's pregnant and Lon goes, and... Yeah. <laughs> oh no no no! Comes off really quick. <laughs> yeah, that that no. Is there a problem here? Yeah. No. Do more like Pelia. Is there a problem here? <laughs> We're thousands of light years from Earth. <laughs> I won't tell if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness, you people! I don't know about all this. Into the swamp again. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, we have another uh, name dropped in this. Yes, we do we have. Dr. Richard Corby, Roger Corby. I'm sorry, Roger, Roger Corby, Richard Corby. I'm, I'm getting confused with Roger. And Dr. Corby. Yes. Yes. Uh, is name dropped here. And we know that uh, that will be an interesting uh, meeting and uh, a little bit of a twist in the Spock chapel relationship, to be sure, if anything is uh, rekindled by the end of this first season, uh, the second season here. Um, she's going to be going off for three months uh, to be working with him. So that that is going to prove quite enlightening. Are you showing an image or are you not? No. Uh, not at the moment. Okay, that's I, fine. That's I fine. can. But, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. What did you guys think? Did, was it interesting to you know hear that name dropped oh, yeah. in here? Yeah, I... I I like how they're they're sort of planting the seeds for TOS at this point. And one of the producers, uh, I think it was on the ready room, was saying, you know, we, we we want to introduce the characters gradually, but we have to do it with meaning. Can't just go, oh, here, let's let's throw, you know, yeah. we've got Ahura, she's on the bridge, we've got Spock, he's part of the crew, has been all along. Now we've got to start picking up some of these. It's like where are we going to get Chekhov? We can't yeah. just go, hey, let's meet Chekhov at the burger joint. Yeah, <laughs> well, at this point, Chekhov would be, what, in high school or something <laughs> yeah. like that? I Not even, know. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Young Chekhov. <laughs> oh, yeah. And by the way, this picture that you chose of uh, Nurse Chapel, look, she looks, she's like she's looking right at the camera. Mm-hmm. Well, she just got the news. She got accepted. She's somebody. Hooray. And then she's, just gonna... she's looking at us like, can you believe it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we knew it was coming, so sure, absolutely. Never had a doubt, Christine. That's right. Um, so we can get into some of the the various um numbers in the story okay. too. I mean, we had we have uh the instigator of 
this whole issue, which is Pelia, who suggested mm -hmm. they use music. Now, she didn't say it had to be, you know, from the Great American Songbook. It could have been like Philip Glass or something like that. No lyrics at all type of Snoop Dogg. Yeah. <laughs> some jazz. Beethoven, something like that. Throwing some, some death metal. Metallica. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> hey, we made friends with the Klingons. What do you know? Yeah, yeah. But this causes this causes problems because the subspace now, man, the techno babble in this episode though, I gotta was, tell you, it was up here, it over was the top the charts. Yep, you you have the uh, the 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 uncertainty that uh, that pops out of the subspace uh, naturally occurring subspace fold, and then it acts like a zipper. So they're going to use the Heisenberg compensator. I don't know yeah. sure why the Heisenberg compensator. You know, it's You're just taking like it out of the transporter. Everything is just being thrown at this in terms of, um, and, and you know, it's a it's with a wink. Let's let's face the it. The only thing they didn't do is reverse the polarity, although they tried to zip it back up. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like that. And then everybody just uh, burst into song, in which uh, Pike, of course, is wondering why are we singing? Why is everyone singing? What's up with this? I even like uh, Spock when he said, "Why am I singing this?" Yeah. 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 Well, that was that was the appropriate first number. If you don't count the actual intro, that was a cappella. But that was the appropriate first number. Why are we singing? This is confusing. What's going on? Everything's normal at ops. We're, they're they're doing their jobs, but mm -hmm. they're singing the outcomes. Yeah. The oh yeah, you just touched on something we didn't say yet. It was the intro was I thought was really nice. Mm -hmm. The a cappella. Mm -hmm. Well, they had a little bit of instrumentation. I think, I think, like drums or something. It was yeah. no, it was close. But I listened yeah. very closely. Everything because yeah, you could can hear people. I was like, are they got drums yeah. in there? I think they did, but a little bit. But um, either way, it was it was really cool changeover. That may have been yeah. auto tuned. Which oh, <laughs> I, I think they had some pros in to do that one. But um, it's interesting because now we've had two alternate versions of the opening credits within the span of like three, three, three episodes. episodes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This has so, been a real roller coaster between, you know, uh, the crossover show, then you got Klingons, then you got a musical, and then we've got the Gorn coming back in the next time. It's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, you know, you've got 10 episodes and yep. you're trying to, you're trying to program this out to be like, Okay, we're gonna have a dark episode, light episode. Right. Yeah. Well, how are we gonna, you know, balance all these I'm things? Getting off? whiplash. It's like watching a tennis game. That's right. Absolutely. And we got a, we got our, um, we got our shout out right away in this where they completely acknowledge the fact that um, <laughs> they were riffing off of, you know, off of Buffy the Vampire Slayer once more with feeling, which is the mention of the bunnies. By the way. Listener Diane says, I don't even remember neck vein singing as a class in conservatory. <laughs> well, listen to Diane would know. So there we, there we go. I can make my neck veins pop faking karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> Do a Hulk move. Yeah. yeah so that yeah, was, I don't want to be a bunny. That's yeah. the bunnies. That yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was a direct shout out to once more with feeling from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So good on them for saying, we know what we're doing. We know what you're going to compare us to. Let's get that right out of the way, right up front. <laughs> uh, then we, we, we have a bunch of, well, we have a bunch of songs going on in here. Um, 
I, I like the fact that they all did seem to tie into things we already knew about the characters and kind of advance the plots. I think that the ones that I felt a little ambivalent about, though, were the ones that Una sang. Um, the first one, turning off the gravity and floating around. Well, that her one? first one t- to um oh to Pike Kirk yeah Kirk yeah uh, talking about you know how to behave with your crew and you know don't be mm-hmm. so standoffish uh, type of thing because she's saying this is you know that I thought was interesting in the fact that as soon as it starts it has a Gilbert and Sullivan tempo and arrangement everybody starts looking around like where are these instruments coming from on almost every one of these numbers well she did she referenced gilbert and sullivan yep yep well she's she referenced the third time we've referenced gilbert and sullivan um was it what is it with star trek and gilbert and sullivan uh i i have not had a chance to meet all the new members of the crew it was (laughs) yeah it was an insurrection yeah i'm just saying to use like gilbert and sullivan Several times in, throughout Star Trek. This particular number, uh, they, later they figured out that you start singing because of strong emotional feelings, uh, responses, whatever. This one didn't seem to follow that rule to me. Like, why would she have a strong emotional response to, to cause her to start singing about him and his crew, how to behave when he gets to get a promotion? She has a strong emotional response to her crew. No, and but think, she's giving him advice. Right. Right. And I think I think the advice is that she has had a change of heart because Kirk says, oh, the, my old first officer said that you would be someone that I should model myself after. And he's thinking that the way he should be modeling himself is to have himself removed a bit from the crew, to not mm-hmm. to be a bit standoffish. And he sees her as, oh, great. So you're going to be, you know, kind of give me some information on that. And she's had this change of heart where she's not feeling that way anymore. And that's what she's trying to impart to him saying, no, look, you, you, you got to do this differently than, than you're thinking that I've done it in the past. Mm-hmm. Don't make my mis- same mistakes I've made. Okay. Well, exactly. I also remember that uh, her crew stood beside her while she was in trial this, this season. Mm-hmm. So. Right. You if know, you're kind of not- standoffish, they're not necessarily going to be. Your, yeah, your advocates. Yeah, cut her, cut yeah. her loose. <laughs> cut her loose. <laughs> we also got a great look up of the the Jeffries tube here, like going up and up and up and up and up. Hey, that's longer than the one in uh, Georgia I went to. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's a green screen pass right past um, Kirk's head there, but forced perspective. Um, yeah. Actually, the uh, yeah the one I saw in person goes up to that little area just above his head. Uh, it's not very long at all. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, that's what the set would be itself. I mean, the set would stop right at that point and you just, you would just be having, like I said, literally the green screen going off Yeah. there. If I go all the way to the top, there's a hatch that can go up right outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just going to hold your breath, but don't, it's a great view out there. Don't bump your head on the backdrop. Yeah. <laughs> now, when we have, we have, um, first of all, we have Lon kind of eavesdropping on this conversation and she's, she hears Una telling Kirk to express your feelings and, you know, don't, you know, you know, really don't hold anything back from your crew. And she certainly is holding something back, but it's, I don't really think of it as something that 
she's responsible for because she was told that she couldn't discuss this with right. anyone. So it's while it's something that she has to, you know, carry, uh, it's not her fault that she has to carry it. But I think the emotional side of it that we get in the song really is the part of it that she she wants to experience this other side of herself and she just can't that she's just i got to do it by the book and i mm-hmm. you know i can't can't let on about the secret and i can't you know express my emotions to people and she's holding on to the watch while she's singing yep so it's a it's it's one of those songs that i think made bonnie say you know it's, it's it was a fun episode but it was also sad at the same time mm-hmm. uh, but was. i think I thought that was a really great number, though. I thought that uh, she did an outstanding job doing that. We have the warning, however, that, hey, you know, you do this type of thing. You know, uh, Lon is telling Pike it, it, it's dangerous. It's, it's security thing. And he's going, I don't know what you're talking about, but OK, I'll trust you. Oh, yeah. Something you're not telling me, but sure. All right, let's go with it. And we have the we have the Kirk brothers working together. Oh yeah. I I was I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show, but there's a lot of people out there who are big fans of Sam Kirk. And I'm thinking, do they know about what happens to Sam in a couple of years? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't end well for Sam. Spoiler alert. Here we'll give them we'll give them the spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. Yes, for something that happened in the 1960s. Eh, absolutely. <laughs> they swap mustaches. So James T. Kirk takes his place. But it was a, it was a nice moment there because, you know, the, the first of all, this is ribbing back and forth about, you know, who uh, Uhura is talking to, uh, or I thought it was Una or Uhura uh, talking to. And then uh, Sam says, well, you know, I guess I was assigned here because they said that you missed me. And you just had this look back and forth between the two of them. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to admit I did that, but I totally did that to have you here, you know, so I could spend some time with you. And then you get the reverse look from Sam going, yeah, I know. I, I know what you did. The yeah. the looks between those two are priceless. That whole yeah, thing, that, that whole thing they did at the table with Uhura, uh, was it the, the couple episodes ago? And you're like, they're looking at each other and the eyebrows are going up and the necks yeah. are going down. It's like, what, yeah. Every expression you can imagine, like I thought, and, and O'Hara's going, "What's going on here?" <laughs> they, they do a good job of pulling off the the brother thing. Like, you know, they kind of know what you, each other's thinking a little bit. Uh, like I said, with the eyebrow thing and their kind of conversations. So, and Sam is a lot in this episode as well. You know, we did, I just really didn't think we. After he was first introduced, we didn't see Sam for a long time. I know. And now he's suddenly in every episode. Yep. I know. With something major to do a lot of times. It's, it's so in his I, contract. Well, I, I guess for, for a while there, I was like, why'd they ever even ever introduce him? Cause you can exactly. barely, you barely saw him. And then, uh, yeah. And he's, then he's been in a, a lot of the episodes. If even for a few minutes. Exactly. So we, we have, we try to close up this fold you know, by zipping it back up again. And of course that goes horribly wrong. The zipper's broke. Why does it go horribly, horribly wrong? Because it's too early in the episode for it to go hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just like sending Boimler back was too early. Yeah. Um, Don't. We need more chaos. Things start to 
spread at that point, including to the Cayuga. Yeah. Where Patel and Pike have a conversation, a private, private conversation. In public. <laughs> I know. On the bridge. That was uh, priceless, I think. And again, uh, you know, Patel is another figure that we saw in the very first episode and barely saw. And all of a sudden now, boom, boom, boom. boom. She's like all the time. It's like, why don't, why don't Patel and Kirk just, you know, have their own rooms here on on the Enterprise and don't have to do all this other stuff. They're just here all the time. There's a whole new quarters, whole new meaning to a ready room. Mm, Oh my. (laughs) So, yeah, that would hey, that would be weird if she was on the Enterprise. Then you have uh, Pike has the big quarters, and she has like the little ensign quarters, <laughs> lower decks. <laughs> so she's got the bunk in the hall. Yes, yeah, awkward. People. He's got the whole room with a kitchen in it. Not funny, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So Kirk and Kirk and Lon are teamed up an awful lot in this thing, which is making Lon kind of very uncomfortable. Well, they were, they were actually been together uh, last couple episodes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they've been pairing them up ready for this showdown. Because because he's always on the ship, you know, it's just, (laughs) just, just wait, you know, Kirk, I didn't know you were here. I'm always here. (laughs) Was there another transporter accident? Are there two Kirks? You just had, that's right. That's right. We we got that. We got this one in the alternate universe one bouncing. We're going to get that, that plot point in early. (laughs) Well, I don't want to go through the entire plot of it, but I will mention a a couple of things that uh, I thought were of, of interest. Uh, One of them was the fact that we got to see the Klingons in a whole new light. Yes, we did. This blew me away. You know, I'm listening to uh, Celia, uh, Uhura, Celia, Celia, excuse me. And I'm listening to her and I'm like, man, she's got, she's got an incredible voice. And then he says, uh, hail the Klingons. And then you can see they're trying, he looks like he's trying to fight it. (laughs) He can't. And the others are dancing back there in unison. Yeah. It was a laugh out loud moment. (laughs) And who was our favorite Klingon in this episode? Why it was. Bruce. That's right. Hammer himself. That's right. Uh, MC Hammer. I didn't notice that when I first watched the episode, but once you know, and you go back and you listen to him, it's, you you can really tell it's, even though it's being very gravelly. Yeah. You can tell it's him. Kind of like spotting Von Armstrong or Jeffrey Combs. (laughs) He's also got an eye patch on to make him look a little different, I guess, than uh, we've seen him. Well, I guess he did. He didn't really, he had those, both of his eyes were kind of uh, ghosty when um, he was him or so. Right. I don't and know. It had antenna and it was blue and everything. So it was uh, <laughs> yeah. slight, slightly blue. Yeah. Uh, a little, little sad. No, no. Um, Actually, at first I thought, why do those Klingons look so small? They look kind of, I don't know. They, they don't look like real size. Big beefy they warriors. Weird. It looked like um, a kind of forced perspective kind of thing going on. Mm, could be kind, but, of a, kind of a fisheye lens look to it. Yeah. But it was fun. And I love the way they looked at each other when it was over. Like, don't anybody say anything. <laughs> yeah. We are full yeah, of dishonor. Happened. Yeah. Didn't happen. Never happened. 
one thing we didn't get to hear was uh, the the rich, beautiful baritone voice of of, of April, Admiral April. We, we oh just, yeah, we just told that he had this beautiful baritone voice. Yeah, that's right. Oh, what was the? Oh, I know. Uh, speaking of the Klingons, when they started uh, doing their music and they look back at Uhura and Sam, and Sam's just kind of groove into it. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. He was into it. <laughs> yeah, Sam. Sam was grooving to a lot of the songs. He was really grooving out with uh, Chapel's song as well, kind mm-hmm. of uh, dancing with Uhura and all sorts yeah. of stuff. Why are you always calling us with uh, when you got the dramas? <laughs> if you look in the background, I think if you look in the background to a lot of shots in this, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of impromptu dancing and and interactions going oh. on. Oh, there was one scene when they were all everybody was running through the hallway. And then that wave kind of hit everybody. Then all of a sudden they, they're running in, in synchronization like a like a stage show. I was like, oh, that's like West Side Story suddenly kicked in. Yeah, yeah. we have that yeah. <laughs> that shot right after the uh, the problem is solved where Pike is going back to his chair and he just starts this little dance with Pelia. Just kind yeah. of going back and forth. So it was it was, it was cute. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think I would have been disappointed if it didn't advance the storyline though and right the nice but it did that, it did i mean it, you saw it, kirk and chapel get advanced you saw uh kirk and lawn yeah and their moment marie and chris you know every, everybody got going in fact it almost too fast in some points like wow we just skipped ahead a couple yeah. chapters in these relationships but yeah. it was yeah. it was good i mm-hmm. i do think it's it's a trick you can only play once though i, I you can't do another musical I, episode. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I was like, I don't know if they could pull off another musical. Yeah, you'd have to have another really bizarre setup. Mm-hmm. You know, really bizarre setup. Yeah, and I think that was be... a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Yeah. Now, some other series can, you know, some other uh, Trek can try it at some other Oh, point. I'm sure Lower Decks will have fun with that at some point in the future. Right. See, it's a shame yeah. that you didn't have concurrent shows like the the times kind of crossed over each other like they did with um, TNG and Voyager and deep space nine. Cause you could then have an episode somewhere where the wave had hit their ship. It went way out into the Delta quadrant and now the Borg are singing. Thank you. <laughs> now one thing that is not that is not an earworm i'm telling you right now uh yes and there was a cute little uh bit at the end where horror is singing and oh sorry earworm oh, I, yeah i like that uh when they were all yes. done singing and it was over you know they closed up the uh the subspace rift right after this mm-hmm. and it, it was almost like the show the stage show is over and you could hear this, the Star Trek theme. Right. Playing, and they're all kind of, they're all kind yeah. of patting each other back kind of thing. Right. So it's like sort of the, the audience exit music is the, the theme from yeah. Star Trek. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like the classic one. Yep. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, that was interesting. I said, that, cause uh, it's not like they just patch, but everything's quiet and they'll patch and walk off. I think that worked out pretty well. You even have those awkward moments there because, you know, everybody's congratulating each other, giving each other hugs. And then Chapel and Spock come up against each other. It's like, 
Awkward. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there must have been a, a real strange sense of strange surrealism. There's a tongue twister uh, in the in performing this episode because they're all dancing like a high school musical, yeah. yet they're on the Enterprise in their uniforms, in their characters, but not quite in their characters. Like, that it just must have been really weird. Like, this is not what we signed up for when we signed up for yeah. this show. But it's fun. I'm sure they ha all had a blast. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, this, in addition to a lot of pre-production work they had to do on this one, I think it was an extra long shooting schedule um, for the episode as oh, well, yeah. for obvious reasons. So um, that yeah, I, a lot went into this, and it could have could have gone sideways, just like the the crossover with uh, lower decks could have gone mm -hmm. sideways. But kudos once again to the writers. And they said they promised when they were talking about season two that they were going to be swinging for the fences and really you know, like mm -hmm. doubling down on stuff. And I, you know, I think we've been seeing what they meant by that. The last, the last three episodes. Yes, you're right. There've been big swings and they're, they could have, uh, it could have gone a little wrong. And I think they nailed all of them. And they're all out on strike for good reason. I'm like, let's wrap this up. The strike thing. I want to get season three underway. Oh. Well, I want the strike uh, wrapped up, but to the benefit of the actors and the writers. I, oh, absolutely. Oh, so, of course. I'm just saying, you know. All right. So I think we should rate this one because we could talk about individual little aspects. We do have our warp speed yep. roundtable question. We'll come back to subspace rapid city, but. Mm -hmm. Let's do our reviewing. So let's see. I'm going to start at the bottom, go up. So let's start with Chuck. I'm on the bottom again. Okay. I'm, I'm giving this a 9.5. All around, very good show. Well written, well produced. Uh, just it was the the more I dwell on it, the uh, and dwell is probably the the right word for me is it it just it's losing some of its novelty, as it were. Uh, it, it, it's 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 a one-off it was fun let's move on and get back to the stories mm -hmm. okay all right and what about you craig like i said i earlier i do not go out for musicals uh but this one was super entertaining and i know they worked their tails off for this whole thing yep. uh i'm totally giving it a 9.5 9 okay and uh yeah as as was alluded to uh, last year, I wrote a musical uh, for my show. So I was, I was anxious to see what, what was going to happen here because not everyone is a professional singer. Um, and I think that they, even to those points, they addressed that uh, Pike's singing is clearly not as strong as some of the other people. So they give him. <laughs> Saw him in karaoke too. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So they so they give him a small amount to do, limited range for what he's going to be singing. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so even to those points, they said, Yep, we understand that. So we're gonna give the strong stuff yeah. to the strong singers, and everyone else gets, you know, a bit to do. You know, Ortega's once again getting this with like one of the smallest parts, but yeah, don't know why. But uh so yeah, I really, really liked it, and I've listened to the soundtrack several times. Uh, since then, and for the show, I've watched these episodes. I, usually, it's like three times I've seen an episode before we uh, do the show, and this one is still a lot of fun to do. I think, to me, the 
the hardest part to watch is where they try really hard to justify what they're doing instead of just going for it. You know, no, they, yeah. they try really, really hard to, this is the reason why it's happening. And I thought they did a good, a good job uh, tying that in with a story. So yeah, I thought they did a good job explaining it, but yeah, it was a, it was a, a little heavy handed. So I'm also going to give it a 9.5. Oh, is that a record? Is that a record? We've all agreed no, think, once before on the we, crossover. No, show. I mean the 9.5. Is that a oh. record? No, no. I think, I think oh. that's, I think that's what that's, that ties. Yeah. We'll have to early. check with our archivist, um, listener Diane. Listen, Diane says, look, 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 you guys are on your own here. I, gave, on, I yeah. gave up three seasons ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we are going to come back from our main mission part one with an appropriate sound effect. Another appropriate sound effect. <laughs> okay. And it's time for my least favorite part of the show. And that's where I get to check in with ah, good old Charlie to make sure we're all set to do subspace chatter. So we don't need no subspace chatter. I think that's Charlie's attitude about the whole thing. If so, he was going to sing, that's that would have been his song right there. All right, so... You don't need all that subspace chatter? Yeah, so thank you, Charlie. Set it to music, boy. (laughs) All right, well, uh, first up is not so much a news story, but if you're watching this episode of The Topic is Trek before August 13th is done, I got an email. You can save 20% on items in the official Star Trek shop by using the code SNWFINALE. Okay, and that's... That's a code everybody's being given. It's not something oh, I... to the topic is tracked. No, we're not. There's no affiliation. So this is, but if you want to save 20% at the Star Trek shop, which is uh, shop.startrek.com, buy what you want. And it's S-N-W-F-I-N-A-L-E. S-N-W finale. I thought it was S-N-W-F, like Saturday night white folks in ale. No, I don't. That's everywhere. All right. With that in mind, let's move on to the next uh, next little thing. Now, uh, okay. I've sprung this on um, on Chuck and Craig because I was away on vacation, so I didn't get a chance to write out a lot of stuff ahead of time yeah. for the show notes. All right. So right. we're doing this kind of off the cuff. All right. So uh, this is a, a referencing a video of the it's a first look at Star Trek Prodigy season two episode one, and there's a lot in that clip if you're if you're a fan of the show. Uh, I watched it, um, but commenting on the exclusive, the existence, the exclusive, excuse me, exclusive clip, the Hagemans shared our talent and dedicated Star Trek prodigy team is hard at work on season two. And all of us can't wait for the world to see it. It's just too good. And in the clip, the former crew of the USS proto store and now warrant Starfleet officers in training Dahl, rock talk zero, and Jacob Pog and Murph are re- reunited for an internship under the command of Admiral Janeway. They soon see the doctor, a dear friend of Janeway, who escorts them to the Admiral's new ship. Starfleet asks, uh, also has asked Janeway to observe a new wormhole to deem it if it's possible threat. The very wormhole they created when they self-destructed the protostar. Oh. Yeah. Which I didn't I thought when they were going to investigate it, I thought they were going to investigate it because it was a way to actually get to Jakotay. I forgot that they thought they were assessing whether or not it was a threat 
Um, I bet you when they get there, they'll start going, hey, I wonder if we can get to Chicote. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And uh, we get to see the Voyager A. We don't get to see a complete shot of it. You're seeing it's in it's in space dock. Oh, it's in you know dry dock. It's that that classic just skeleton shell that sits around the ship. Mm-hmm. And so you know that there's going to be some shot when it first goes out, which is going to go back to Star Trek, the motion picture, just the ship pulling out. Uh, it does have the nacelles attached to the ship. We're not that far. We're not to the J yet. Yeah. At this point. Oh, right. Um, and we can't, we can't really, um, I can't, I couldn't judge the size of it compared to uh, the previous Voyager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's a little more sleek. Yeah. I would say, you know, a little more uh, in line with uh, probably the Enterprise E. You know, yeah, it looks just like that, actually. So the clip was first shown at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. Uh, but not Star Trek Las Vegas. That's not the official name anymore, but the 57-year voyage, because uh, I don't have the, the rights to it anymore, 57-year voyage uh, in Vegas at the beginning of August. So that, w- that would have been fun to see with a group of people uh, because we're all fans of Prodigy here on the topic is Trek and we yes. are, we are waiting to find out where we're going to be able to watch this show. Not, not if, but where we're going to be able to, to watch yeah. it. I thought it was going to, I thought they had settled on, uh, it was going to be on Blu-ray or something or was it someplace else? I can't well, Blu- uh, Blu-ray, the, the second half of the first. Yeah season came out on blu-ray recently that might be what you're thinking of well i was looking at the end here i was trying to scan it i thought i'd said i think it was the the second part of season one right. comes out on blu-ray the september 26th right and i will point out we we say that we've been told that the people at paramount are actively trying to help the Hagman brothers get this season two uh on some other network they're they're not just abandoning it this link we have in the show notes goes to star trek.com they're the people that are showing this preview to keep mm-hmm. people interested yeah. in yep. that show yep right yep <clears throat> all right so let's move on to our second story also from star trek.com and an exciting development for star trek enthusiasts and collectors alike XO6 has just unveiled their plans to release a stunning line of museum-grade one-to-six one scale figure from the popular hit series Star Trek Strange New World. Known for their exceptional attention to detail and craftsmanship, XO6 promises to deliver an extraordinary collection that captures the essence of the characters. Captain Pike, Una Chin Riley, a.k.a. Numero Una, <laughs> Spock, <laughs> Nurse Christine Chapel, and La'an Noonien sing and brings them to life like never before. Star Trek Strange New World, set in the early days of Captain Christopher Pike's command of the USS Enterprise, has garnered immense praise and excitement among fans. Now, the XO6's commitment to creating one six scale figures. How you read that? One to six? It's not one six. One one six. Okay. From this new series, collectors can look forward to owning meticulously crafted representations of their favorite characters from the iconic era of the Star Trek universe. And looking over the pictures, they look pretty darn amazing. You could, they're they're very close up, which makes them look kind of freaky at first. But it, it, I think I think Boimler's got uh, Una in her in his bunk. It's kind of weird. Careful. 
Oh my! <laughs> Beautiful. And they got they got Pike's essence of his hair. That's right. That the hair is the hard thing to get with Pike. <laughs> That's right. And you got to get it in the box. Like they, they need an extra tall box for his hair. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, they look great. Yeah, indeed. Start your collection uh, now. Okay. What else? Uh, what else we got? Well, the next thing that we have here is that just a quick note that as of recording um, on f- August 11th, the WGA negotiation team is going to be meeting again with the, the uh, producers to see if we can do anything about this strike going on with the writers. Uh, the Writers Guild has given a proposal and now they're going to get the reaction from the producers on this one. Nobody's expecting it to be resolved as a result of this next meeting, but you know, hope springs eternal that they're making some kind of progress on it. Uh, we'll have a link to an article that talks about the latest proposals that the WGA has with regards to things, uh, including the amount of people that should be in the writer's room, how long a writer stays on staff, minimum amount of time that the writer would be employed for a series, those type of things. And um, I think it's also uh, the the time to announce like a, a next season. So they, or, you know, instead of like Netflix holding on and not announcing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So they either know to move on or stick around. Yep. Yep. That was one of the things. Exactly. All right. And then quickly in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada news, we have the fact that Vulcan, their convention, which is, they have two, conventions during the summer one is uh um spock days and the other one is vulcan well they celebrated the 30th anniversary of vulcan exactly eric's uh friday july 28th to sunday july 30th so you missed this year's but that's okay there'll be 31 next year oh i can always remember that because same age as my oldest daughter good thing i didn't go there 30 years ago i might have been in trouble (laughs) Yeah, you just go tell Julie, you know what I remember about your birthday? (laughs) (laughs) The first Vulcan. (laughs) And your mother was in labor. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and you're over there going, hmm, Vulcan. Yeah. All right. So congratulations to Vulcan Alberta Canada for having 30 years of Star Trek conventions. Uh, well, start. Yeah, we'll start. Well, it's a not convention per se, but it's more of a celebration. Club festival. Yeah, yeah festival. A celebration type of thing. All right, congratulations. All right, now it's five, time for my favorite part of the show, and that's where I get to say goodbye to Charlie. Goodbye, Charlie. Yeah, you're pretty mean when you. I want to stay. I mean, he's mean. Mis- we misunderstood. To- he's just misunderstood. Yeah. Right. We have links to how many did we get the 63 additional stories broken out by series movies and other categories. If you go over to the show notes for episode 143 over at the com. Yeah, a lot in there. I I put in all the different reviews from people had of uh subspace rhapsody because I felt like it was sort of getting your Broadway reviews, you know, let's, let's <laughs> throw them all in there. Right. It stinks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, Danny, how you doing? All right. Now it's time to do main mission part two with an appropriate sound effect. 
Yeah, I'd say that's appropriate as well. I think there's a spot on this time around. Yeah. I'm getting better. It only took 143 right. shows. <laughs> yep. Okay, so let's see. I'll have uh, Chuck, why don't you read a little bit of information about part two? All right. The final episode 10 of season two is called Hegemony. That's those little corn kernel-like things, right? Hegemony. Oh. It's a, it's a Harry Potter thing. I thought it was pronounced Gemini. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Written by Henry Alonzo Myers and directed by Maya Vervillo. The USS Enterprise investigates an attack on a colony at the edge of Federation, like literally the edge of Federation space. It's 30 feet over the border. Captain Pike and his crew face the return of a formidable enemy. You got it. They're back singing and dancing. Oh, I would have loved to see the Gorn singing and dancing. (laughs) Yeah. Darn. That would have been comical. You know what it would have been? It would have been the big guy in the suit going, hello, my baby. Hello, yeah. my darling. Hello. Top I'd pay money for that. I'm Wait sure they did. It? Who knows? <laughs> All right. So my first question is, we've got uh, the Cayuga going to this colony at the edge of Federation Spit. Now, uh, Battelle describes it as actually outside just outside yeah, why would Federation you do that space. so yeah why are they do why are you helping somebody set up a colony or well, they, they'd already set it up and yeah. conveniently looking like rural alberta uh, uh rural canada i, I thought it was hill valley i expected somebody to come along and say save the clock tower yeah but, <laughs> i mean i would think the federation would kind of say you're on your own if you've decided to set up shop outside the protection of the federation yes and it's not like colonists are just wandering around going, I need a planet. That one looks good. Someone's got to be helping them find the right planet. So yeah. why would some director or uh, this just seemed wrong from the get go, but keep going. Yeah. So they, they, you know, they're having a grand old time of things when it all gets spoiled. Saving budget on locations. And <laughs> <laughs> grass. Well, too. That's not real grass. Yeah. I think, I think, Looking at the 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 uh, the town itself, clearly this was a budget saving. Well, you've got a lot of stuff going on in this season, and I think at some point they said, "Okay, we can create another planet, right? Atmosphere for everybody, or we could just go down the block to this town, set up a few hexagonal con- cartons in the corner." <laughs> I was fine with that. Actually, I didn't. That didn't, that didn't bug me so much. Well, it's classic Trek. I mean, this is the, straight out of TOS where you just go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Everything's exactly Earth-like on this planet and that one and that one over there, too. <laughs> we set it up for that... mid, what was it? it? Midwest America. Like, you didn't pick, like, Macedonia. You didn't pick, you know, Ivory Coast. You didn't pick. It was like, why? Well, not only that. <laughs> It's the height yeah, of society. It's Canada. It's not even, you know, the United States. It's Canada. Hey, this is the height of civilization here. <laughs> Mid-century minimum. America. Before we smoked everything. Yeah, but here come the, the, oh, now I was confused at first. I don't, I don't know if you guys were as well, but the first thing we see jetting through the sky. is a shuttle um, coming, crashing right, down. So, yeah. So, uh, Doug says, Hey, is that one of ours? 
and it goes yeah. by. It doesn't doesn't you expect something like that that goes just off screen to explode? It doesn't explode. Yeah. It didn't explode. They, again, saving on money that they spent on the other episodes. Well, it didn't explode because that's it's carrying a, a, a certain package. Right. Well, it's carrying it's carrying a certain person. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought he it. was. Oh, that was no. his arrival. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so somebody specials on that that show that come, because he says, "Oh, and they, they were right behind me," because right after that shuttle disappears over the horizon, come in the big. We didn't get a we don't get a great shot of the Gorn ship. It, it arrives very much like Independence Day. Yeah, very of a cloud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you yes, get a you get a quick glance at some of the edges and and detail of it, but not it's a whole like lot. a big clam appearing in the sky. Yeah, I I <laughs> don't know. So this is. It was unclear if this is one of the the hunter ships or, I mean, because you just I don't think the see the hunter ships are the smaller ones that are more maneuverable. Yeah, I've got the three parts that we see. We see the uh, the Enterprise battling later on, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a, so, a mother ship, if you will. I had yeah. real heartache at the beginning of this show over the visual effects. Okay. okay. First, Patel calls Pike. Where is she holding that pad? Down under her face. Therefore, if you were to see his view, you'd be looking basically up her nose and seeing a lot of sky. But no, when they show his view on the Enterprise, it's a straight on shot. Shame on you, cameraman. Shame on you, visual editors, for not catching that. Because I saw right away, they're going to miss it. They're going to miss it. And sure as money, they did miss it. Then, okay, then... A big ship is moving across the the landscape, and every show does this. Every one of them. How fast do you think that big ship is moving? Oh, probably faster than a walk. But no, the shadow is going about walking pace. And even worse, when Patel looks up, the shadow creeps up her face at a snail's yeah. pace. Going, they must have just slammed on the brakes because it's going really slow. I, it, yeah. ju- it drives me nuts when something like this is so obvious and yet they have to do it to explain to the audience it's big and it's ominous and it's covering the landscape in shadow. You don't know. It, it's uh, uh, That drives me nuts. Big minus on that one. Well, tell us how you really feel about those shots. <laughs> well, I could see it coming a mile away because every show does it. They do the visual thing when somebody's on their phone talking to it and it's like, they're going to show a camera shot straight up when they show yeah. the other person. There it is. They well, still can't get zoom right in the future. I mean, that's to me, that's a, that's a classic thing with, with television and movies, because you will have somebody moving around all over the place in a, in a shot and the camera is the, dead steady. Keep, <laughs> yeah. Keeping track of what's going on. It's, you know, perfect. So, eh, it's a trope. What can I tell you? Okay. Well, then I'll, I'll take a drink next time. Yeah, you do that. I think you need it. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I may have had one. Where well, are we? Okay, so we get the the Gorner coming. The Gorner coming. Then we go back to the Enterprise. Right, we, go back, we go back to the Enterprise where they they find out. Hey, you know, there's 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 problems, and so Pike heads off to head to this planet outside of Federation space. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, I, now 
<laughs> listener Diane says, "Well go, played, well played." And he was lip syncing that tirade. I'll have you know, yeah, and that was passion coming through. <laughs> sure. So uh, we learned that from Admiral April that there are negotiations going on with the Gorn, which came as a surprise to me. That we didn't know all this stuff was going on. We, we can't even communicate with them. How can you have a negotiation? Did yeah. they mention something earlier in the season? They, they might have. Oh, I well, I remember earlier in the I think season. April did. April was talking uh, about what Spock had done, and he said, "Well, you know, we we could have him arrested, but we need all our best officers. Yeah, if what's going to happen, and the Gorn ships are approaching." That didn't say to me that they were having any negotiations. With I them. thought I, I remember. <laughs> we're having negotiations again. We're having negotiations. Yet they invested a whole lot of money into Gorn killing equipment. Right. Well, the first thing we find out is that the the Gorn have apparently have drawn the line of where the edge of their space is, and it just happens to be. Right at that planet. What are the odds of that happening? It's like it cuts through the time zone between the east and the west. Yeah. It's probably like pretty pretty that surgical. It's it, one of their moons isn't even in in the in in their territory most of the time. It's it's funny. Now, the next thing that happens, I want to get your reaction to it because they're, they're discussing this problem. Uh, you know, Pike says I have to go to try to save these people. I'm not asking anybody else to go along with me and everyone else starts volunteering to go. And he says, well, thank you very much. And then Sam comes in because yeah. Sam is now in everything. And he wants to take the opportunity. He says, I was really scared the last time, but I want to have a second <laughs> you chance wet your to pants. them. Pants, Sam, you wet your pants last time around. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. So he says he wants to have a second chance to study them. And uh, Lon says, with a phaser? Yeah. And he says, if that's what it takes to kill them. And all of a sudden then Benga's chiming in going, I want to be part of that. And, you know, it's like, Whoa, people, this like, my goodness, there's a lot of, um, a lot of, I don't just seem non-federation kind of a lot of going on there. That's right. It's like they left the ideals outside the door. Well, and they find out that, um, well, you know, Patel and her ship are, are actually there. And they got the message, hey, we're under attack, we're under attack. And we also find out that Nurse Chapel is on that ship. And, you know, the the Kyoga is in pretty bad state when they get there. But still. I... But poor Spock, he's, he's, he, he's like, uh, we had a fight last time. And I, I don't feel so good about the way we parted. I felt yeah, for he, Spock. Uh, we do get. Now we get another sh- uh, scene with Ortegas piloting the shuttle, and then or- Ortegas is is done for the episode. Essentially, by the way, she not exactly. Not exactly. That was I bit. loved her per- her her performance in this whole scene. Yeah, yeah she was enjoying. Mike it. looks like he's gonna puke, and she's just like wee. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Pike looks like he's pulling some serious G's where everyone else is being jostled around. I couldn't, you know, it's like... Yeah, it was a little off. And, you know, Arteus is leaning forward in her seat. The the forces were a little skewed, but you were were born for this. (laughs) The line I love. Speaking of uh, 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 Ortegas, 
They said um, we were going to get an origin story for of her. No, they never promised that. People were asking uh, at the end of last season. They, okay. you know, because a lot of people did have their origin stories, and um, the actress said, that, "Well, wait, wait till next season." Like she knew, what, and by that point, they had been working on uh, the second. You mean season. like season three? No, season two. That I have, they haven't started oh. on season three. So at the oh, end of season yeah. one, when we got the final episode and there was no Ortega's story, she said, "Well, you know, hold on, season two is coming up." And like I said, by that point, they were already filming season two now i have i have a thought about this scene and uh i'll do a spoiler alert right now this is a cliffhanger this is a cliffhanger episode <laughs> so my theory is we're making a big deal and have for several episodes in a row how good of a pilot Ortegas is because it's somehow going to be involved in how they get away from the Gorn. Yep. How they get off that ship. Yep. Hey, she, she even sang about it, by the way, in the last That's episode. Right. And she made that big thing about flying the ship. When, when, <laughs> when they all had amnesia, she's like, I'm the pilot. I fly the ship. Right. Yeah. So I just have this feeling that that's some of this is set up for what she's going to do in the second half of this two parter. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting because she certainly had a look on her face. You know, this is just like the most fun you can have, you know, piloting a shuttle. Yeah. Legally. <laughs> but we go from joy to poor Spock. Poor Spock. Poor Spock. Sad Spock. No, yeah. Sad Spock. He needs to be eating a sandwich like Keanu Reeves. Yeah, the sad Spock. Because he's going to be searching the he's searching the saucer section of the Cayuga, which is basically half destroyed. It, they even said sick bay is gone. Wait, right. wait, Clinton, the positivity. It's half there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> because nice. there are air pockets, and you know when when we, when we're making some orbits around, or the or the, the saucer is rotating, so when it comes around to the uh, sick bay section. Then I can do some scans there. And we find, oh, there is no more sick bay. It's just gone. Well, the first time I watched this, I forgot she had beamed back before the whole invasion. So I thought, oh, she's safe on the surface. She's safe on the surface. And then I went, oh, that's right. She's not. <laughs> that's right. So we get to, we find out later that she did survive. Um, well, we find out from TOS she survived. So that wasn't much of a big surprise either. Yeah. Well, wait uh, a minute. Could have been a clone. Could be were they able to check if there was anybody else? Cause they didn't find her. That's true. That's true. Well, no, the, you mentioned being on there going, okay, I got yeah. some oxygen. Wait, the ship's moving. Why is it moving? And next thing you know, you're hit. <laughs> We're on fire. We're right. going down. We're going down. Because I was thinking, you know, after they've determined that, Oh, even though there's air pockets that, you know, there's nobody in sick bay. The plan is to then take the saucer and fly it into the ground. And that's kind of, you've really committed to the, you know, the idea that there's no one still on. Right. Even though your sensors don't work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He almost, almost flew chapel into the ground. That's right. But they get out just in the nick of time. Well, there's another problem with physics on that one. The fact that they just fly out. They fly out through the skylight. And there, you know, object in motion tends to stay in motion and gravity 
the, the, the saucer section is already on fire from the friction of the atmosphere. Therefore, you would be too. And well, they, they, they drift out and after... away. No, it was on fire when they drifted out. Yeah, it was sure? starting to. It was starting to. Uh huh. <laughs> I went. This I know. Is... I know. Very shortly thereafter, we get. We get. We see it completely. But all, still, all, um, even if it was, hot. you know, fifteen feet in front of you, you'd still be, you know, a few seconds away from being on fire yourself. So either those suits have heat shields that we didn't know about, or they just broke the laws of physics because they're still going to hit the atmosphere. They're moving in the direction. And gravity is pulling them in that direction, but no. That's, wait a minute. That's not the way it was written. <laughs> so It's not in the script. <laughs> I They beamed them back much, much later. It wasn't like, oh, we're out. Beam us. Nope. Because you, you, they couldn't beam them until the saucer section took out the tower that was right. jamming all the signals. Like, right. you would have been on the ground too pretty soon, but I'm going to let that one go. It's just a show. I should really just relax. You should. You should. Yeah. Yeah, so while Spock is setting those uh those rockets, we get to see some grown-up Gorn. Yes. So what did you guys think of seeing your first uh really good good glimpses well, of the Gorn? It answered a question I had earlier in the show, like who built the ships? Who maintains the ships? Who flies the ships? They're they they're not very dexterous from what we've seen from the babies and the little kids. They yeah, run around exactly. like dogs. Well, oh, no, look at that one behind Clinton. There. Obviously, they become bipedal later in their. Yeah, no, that that's the one we saw on the cruise that hit Craig in the head. Yeah, that's uh, right. It's it, when they grow up, they become bipedal and and have more dexterity in the hands, apparently. So that answered that question quite nicely because I was scratching my head earlier on going, wait, wait, they really restructured these from the man in the rubber suit walking around slowly. Yeah. Who well, I can't I can't picture this species. So kudos to the uh, special effects people with all the puppetry and CGI and everything it took to put this together. I, we did watch the ready room for this one too. They had a six foot seven guy inside that suit, a hundred pounds of gear, and wow. lots of animatronics for the facial. Two different people running the face, one to do eyes and lips, and the other. It was it was insanely complex, and they did it yeah, really I, really I well. I tried to get I tried to get a shot. There's there's one shot in this where you get a sense of the scale of a human and a Gorn, and that's when Spock has punctured the faceplate of the Gorn, and it's flying across the bridge outside, and it passes by chapel but i couldn't get it quite but you can definitely tell that it's much taller than a human is yeah, yeah. why didn't she keep oh, yeah. firing the phaser she fired once <coughs> well i guess firing at that point would drive it back into the ship and she's trying to hit it out she's trying to save ammo why maybe there's another gorn on the board <laughs> who knows yep yeah. the saucer section is going to burn up anyway so the gorn on board is going to burn up do you know how much those phaser blasts cost? <laughs> Don't even start. We also we also got to that Gorn, or I'm assuming it's the only one on, on the ship that it was that Gorn. It was attempting to override the systems on the ship. Yeah, you know, which I thought was an interesting invalid command code. Invalid command code. Yeah, yeah, right. 
Uh, I did hear an awful one, 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 a two B. (laughs) No, that's a self-destruct code. You idiot. You don't want that code. That's a bad code. Omega Delta 47. Oh no. There was an awful lot of noise in space when Spock was setting those rockets. Again, Uh another space. Another Chuck Mint Mint pick. It's a trope. It's a trope. (laughs) There's no sound in space. Well, I had, but my impression was with that because it sounded very hollow is that what you were hearing was the transmission to those, those places where there were their air, where there were air pockets because it was, it had to be close to where chapel was depending where he's, where he's setting these rockets. It was an outside shot. And he's setting the, even, even before he got there, you could hear the debris crashing into its, into each other in space. No, well, that I, no. That there's no, there's simply no excuse. Well, the problem is we found that, or or the people that do the shows find that people feel uncomfortable with deadly silence. Yeah, right, with no sound. Oh, speaking of sound, I don't know if you guys noticed this. It was weird in this episode. And it's the first time I've noticed them do this. There was clearly a synthesizer being used in parts, and it stood out like, well, that sounds cheap. I. I it just places where it was just a synthesizer was the prominent thing. It's a, it, it was a, like a throwback to the nineties. Where was it at? Um, the latter part of the episode, right around this point in, in the show, as a matter of fact, and it just, it sounded cheap. And I don't know if it was done for some effect that just huh. wasn't landing right, but it just, it, it didn't, it didn't sit well with me. Suddenly just, Howard Jones busts on the scene. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, normally the, the music on these shows are, are Top great. notch. And, yeah. Orchestration and it stuff. Just, it, so it really was kind of surprising. Oh, we kind that. of blew by the whole introduction of Scotty, didn't we? Well, we'll we're kind of circling back to that because okay. we we have uh, Battelle located. Yep. And, and she's located because someone takes them there. And the person that takes... Uh, the Pike and everyone to where the refugees are, or the the uh, the survivors, is Montgomery Scott, Lieutenant Junior Grade Montgomery Scott, and, and the the first words out of his mouth betrayed who he was. I'm like, it has to be. It had. Please, if it's not, I'm going to be really disappointed because you can't have a whole bunch of Scott Scottish engineers running around. Yeah, they did that in this Crisis on Centaurs book. They were so lazy; they came up with another Scotsman. <laughs> yeah, we got a whole bunch of them in the back room, you know. <laughs> so he's already doing his. Um, oh, I had like two minutes before the Gorn uh, sh- ship was going to like invade. I, I figured out how their signals work for communication and mirrored that. So I could pass as one of their ships as I'm trying to escape in the escape pod. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I like Lon's like, that sounds really, you know, convenient. And she is completely suspicious of this excuse. Right. Right. As she should be. This is what's going on. Also, he forgets to let them out of the trap he's, he set for them. So that was kind of, oh yeah, Yeah. I forgot. Sorry sorry about that. As soon as he walked out, I was like, I know who this is. He didn't have to open his mouth. I was like, I know where they're going with this. So I, I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out either because, okay, he's now, he doesn't have a ship anymore right. because his ship is gone. 
And he's working with Pel- Pelia, who recognizes him as Scotty and says, Oh, one of my best students who, you know, who got the worst hum- grades. Yeah. <laughs> gets around. And we had a lot of, we had a lot of throwing around of grades here because when they're talking about using the saucer yeah. and Una says, Oh, we can use the saucer section. If you'd answer that way in class, you would get an A plus. Yeah. <laughs> and right. the look, the looks, oh my goodness. You're not my teacher anymore. <laughs> right. I'm your commanding officer. Yeah, so it was interesting to get that introduction because we're slowly building that that team up one character at a time. Did here. you get a sense of how long it was from the attack on the planet to when the Enterprise got there? Well, the Enterprise was not that I don't think the Enterprise was that that far away because the subspace fold was, I believe, also near the edge of the quadrant. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they were that far away from each other. So it could have been a matter of hours, maybe. It I'm, felt I, like I, days I because, A, all the locals were either eaten or or a few were in hiding. And somebody boarded up all the windows, at least on the diner. It was like, w- w- when did that happen and who did the, it and the how? The Gorn did it. The Gorn did it. <laughs> the Gorn. Yeah, we're boarding you in. That's right. <laughs> Saving you, you gotta, for later. Make sure you stay fresh. <laughs> well, that's just my... Hey, you guys, go into the subway. We're that's gonna, what made uh, me feel like it had to have been a few days, but... Well, I don't know, because Lon says that the the reason there are all the younglings there is because that is a Gorn strategy. You have the eggs laid and you have the younglings kind of soften up the defenses before you come in. And Mattel says that it takes a day or so mm-hmm. for them to hatch. So you have, if they had, um, done that initially when they landed, then it would be at least a day, day and a half had gone by minimum to have the, these things running around. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why the enterprise would take that long to get there unless this was orders from April about, you know, you can't go there until I've got the, you know, the or it's one of those weird warp speed timey wimey things. Yeah. Like, you know, a piece of the action said, what they were just, here. no, they were here years ago. Kind of thing. Exactly. So I don't, I don't know, but we, the other thing I didn't quite understand is, okay. But Battelle is, has been impregnated by the Gorn. She's got, but, that's kind of when, oh, but you you don't know that until that one teenage Gorn comes up, stares her down, and then leaves. Oh, we got lucky. Like, uh, she knows yeah. something. Well, I think my first thought was immediately at that point is like, oh, I know exactly what w- what happened there. It's pretty obvious, and so they don't they oh, don't yeah. drag that out too long. And Pike's not jealous. She's been fooling around with another. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of awkward that his girlfriend's pregnant. but well, <laughs> And it's not his. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But, uh, but, um, but when, when did that happen that no one else was aware of it, right? So it's like, was she, was she kind of caught off guard by herself on a patrol or something like that? Because no one else 
seem to like yeah. no stay away from us we, we don't want to say that part that. yeah yeah uh, you know wasn't looking and some gorn hocked a loogie yeah pretty much mm. and we get we get a mention of hammer again yep so yeah but he says but but hammer gave us no choice but to try to save them which is true and now they have the opportunity although they have the opportunity but what are they going to do with that opportunity i don't think they know enough about this and i i can't recall exactly what goes on internally as far as the host's metabolism um are they being kind of consumed from the inside by the time this you would, remember, that's kind of how i would think yeah so like that yeah. you don't really have a lot of time and even though she says uh chapel says she wants to put her in a stasis field the thing is still active in her arm yeah, it was it was sizzling. Well, then then she put up the force field. We didn't really see her arm after the force field or stasis field. No, we saw it afterwards. After oh, did the we? Force okay. Field, we we mm-hmm. down. And, and uh, it's like think, a oh. freezer. It takes time for the stuff, the meat to freeze. Ah, it's like a bird's eye thing. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, I will say dude? that <laughs> the scene with Spock and Chapel and the Gorn on the bridge in zero G was fantastic. Hmm. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I, I think so. And we we get very much that that same type of um, alien, yes, effect where you you know now better what the Gorn look like, but you still don't really have a great idea of what a yeah. They're all in the dark and they got something on their face or right. And I noticed that there was liquid. It was a liquid in the helmet, which I thought was an interesting thing that they apparently that's they're, they're getting their oxygen or out of the liquid that's that's in their suit hmm. perhaps i wasn't quite sure about that but i, yeah. I at least i noticed it it seemed to me at least that there was liquid in there um all right now everything starts to come to a head in this thing because they take down this uh, dampening field, if you will, that the Gorn have put up by crashing the saucer into it. Yep. They're, they're all said they're going to transport out the all the survivors and Chapel and Spock are back on board. And Pelia is teaming up with Scotty to work on this this way to escape by using the same device he used on the shuttle. And we get to the bridge and Pike goes... Okay, so beam up those other survivors. We can't. What are the survivors? There's nobody else down there. You know, there's no other. Oh, look again. I assure you they were down there. And Spock says uh, they were beamed aboard the coin ship. Well, yeah, we saw them beam out, but I was like, oh, look, it's green. Right. And And when they're uh beaming out, it's not the same color transporter. And that's, you know, we're, we're again, let's see if I have that in. Yeah, so there's this. It's making kind of the same sound, so I think it's like you're. If the audience isn't paying enough attention, they don't You'd notice. Miss it. Yep. Oh, I picked it up. I was like, oh, that doesn't look right. Right. I mean, you could say, well, maybe it's the the, the field is distorting something. No, no, that that. that yeah, it wasn't as obvious as like red means Klingon, green means Borg kind of thing. It was it was subtle enough that I missed it the first time too. And then we have more Gorn ships coming in and the Enterprise starts taking fire, a Big lot time. of fire. Yep. And Admiral April is saying you have to get out of there. And he says, but 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 our people. Pike, yeah, Pike has crew members on one of these Gorn ships, and he just 
He froze. He froze, completely froze, which which I think is supposed to be the way you apply dire, dire situation here. Yep, yep. He's got a hard so call just, to make. Yep. So I think we know how what's going to go down here is they're not going to leave. End scene to be continued. Right. Uh, now, were you thinking as the time was getting short in this episode, yeah. how are they going to wrap this up? Yeah, because I paused yep. it and I went, 11 minutes? Oh, man. 11? I, I, I was down to like three going, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Right. Things are moving here, but they're not going to move fast enough for this. Yep. <laughs> right. And the kicker of this is we're probably going to have to wait until 2025. I know. It's going to this. at least. I mean, if the writer's strike to the benefit of the writers is, is over fairly soon. And the, and the actors strike the lead time on strange. I mean, you can tell from the season where that time goes, why they need all that lead time. Yeah. I suspect much of it may be already done on the part two. You'd want to film something like this back to back. Nope. I did. They had not started filming yet. Really? And okay. That seems bizarre because so much could happen between point a and point b you'd have to you might even have to go back and rewrite the script if you wait too long and say well, something the, happened to one of the actors uh it's like ooh, that's, that's typically what happens though i mean you you you, you film your season season's done everybody wraps and then you you know pick it all back up again um, the wrapping was for the last episode oh sorry sorry or anthony rap All right. Any other additional thoughts on hegemony? Did we miss any important plot points you want to go over here? Um, uh, Hora working with Pelia? No, I aired all my grievances. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. All right. We're going to go in reverse order on this one. So... We've talked about some of the good points, and I think some of the, ooh, we're kind of forced here on this one uh, for the for the setup on this. So I am going to, I, I like the episode, um, and I think it, it does follow along with what we're being told about the Gorn and so forth. But I think setups were a problem in this. You know, why did the Enterprise take so long to get there? When was Battelle alone to have this happen to her that no one else seemed to know that that was the case. They set up a colony outside of Federation space. And why did the Federation say, that's a great idea. Let's help you with that. And we're negotiating with a species we can't communicate with. Right. Um, That, that, that we think is a, is a huge threat. So I am going to, I'm going to give this one an eight. An eight. An eight. So I'm going to march down. How about Craig? I'm going to. Um, I'm going to say uh, I'm probably also going to give this an eight. I I enjoyed it because they were the tension with the Gorn. Uh, some of their, I thought some of their problem solving was, was pretty good. Uh, trying to throw the, the remaining portion of the saucer section down to bust the tower, things like that. Um mm-hmm. I did like uh, seeing Montgomery Scott, at least as an introduction. I thought he, he 
He sure does uh, have the right voice for it. Well, he's yeah. Scottish. He's got the, the advantage over everyone else who's played that part. That's right. What about his so, short little sidekick? Oh, wait, he hasn't come along for a while yet. No, he didn't have that. No keens are. No keens are. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm, also, I'm, I'm also giving an eight. Okay. What about you, Chuck? I'm going with an eight also. It's it's bolstered up by the visual effects, the, the storyline about the Gorn but it's knocked down for a lot. And I, I was disappointed at how many technical difficulties they had on this. Well, technical gaffes rather than difficulties. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they did the, they did the gaffes easily. Well, and some of those, like you mentioned, you had to play into the tropes. There's, there's just no choice. Right. Right. Yep. right. Okay. Well, it's interesting because I think you have to go back and look at the numbers, but, it's a bit on the low side, the way we've been rating Strange New Worlds. And yep. it's odd because it's the cliffhanger. We should really you have everything it? so ramped up and leading to that point. And I think we did logically lead to the point. It's just there are moving parts issues with the I wonder if we, uh, once we see both episodes together, you know, I think you might look at it a little differently. Maybe. There may be some setup things in here that we just didn't know about or they're dropping yeah. Easter eggs going, Oh, we're going to, we're going to hook into that. But right. Right. All right. And we don't know if this, this implies we're seeing the last of Pelia pretty soon for all we know, because yeah. maybe Scotty hangs around. Well, no. well, do you have a couple of quick predictions for the next season or the next episode? Uh, well, I've already said that I believe that we've got this setup for Ortega's clearly taking. So my guess is she's having a commandeer a Gorn ship to get the people right away. So she's going to have to show the fancy flying that way. I think I'm trying to think if they're going to tough calls. Are they going to save Battelle? I think they're going to, because I think if they don't, it's a repeat of hammer and I'm not sure you would want to do that. Well, I, my thought was that we're going to see a sacrifice from Battelle to go to the Gorn. Cause you know, that's why they're coming after the enterprise. It's cause they're, they have uh offspring there, which okay. was Patel. And the only way to get them off their tail is to give them what they want. Okay. And we're going to make some much more use out of this thing about light. The fact. Yes. That the the Gorn... whole CME coronal mass ejection triggering them to do something. I was right. thinking about that. It's like they didn't mention that for nothing. That's that's a hook into the second part. I'm I'm kind of with you on um, uh, Erica Ortegas and her flying, but I'm thinking it's going to be tied in with Scotty's invention. They're gonna they're gonna subversively camouflage themselves, and that that'll be part of the rescue operation. Uh, I don't think Battelle is going to sacrifice herself, but Ortega, but Ortegas is on the going ship. Yeah. Oh, is she? Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, I, I missed on the that. surface when they got beamed down. Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, so, okay. She gets to fly a Gorn ship, <laughs> but still Scotty's thing is going to somehow confuse their sensors into thinking that the Enterprise is a Gorn ship. We haven't seen the last of that device. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about the sacrifice of Battelle, but I think there's going to be some sort of hostage exchange. Like, you give us our people, we'll give you your babies or something. Yeah. I, something but like, but something I like don't that. think she's going to die. Well, that'll be interesting because how are they going to 
The that's, miracle of Chapel and Mbenga. And Mbenga <laughs> is on the Gorn ship. Well, he can work it from that side. <laughs> he can beam them out, whatever. He's that good. <laughs> yes. Sam Sam is on the Gorn ship as well. So We're going to be putting that... these into our 2025 predictions yeah, in about 16 so. months. <laughs> uh, Remember what I we just... said back on episode 143? I just uh when it when it said, you know, to be continued when oh man. Yeah, I you know, was like, oh it was gonna... bad enough. It was bad enough best of both worlds part one. That was a couple of months. This is literally gonna be over a year before <laughs> we see the... <laughs> yeah. Well, I might be retired by the time this sucker comes out. <laughs> I already am. <laughs> yeah. Oh Too good. Late. We'll watch it together. Well, That's right. I'm on the rocking rocking chairs on the porch. <laughs> All right, so those are our ratings. And now we have time for a quick warp speed roundtable. Whoosh. <laughs> you didn't even let me do the whoosh, but go ahead. Oh, well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Do your whoosh. Now I got to find the dang whoosh. <laughs> that was a whoosh. All right. Okay, our warp speed roundtable question is pretty straightforward. What is your favorite song from Subspace Rhapsody? Uh, if you're not aware of it, the soundtrack for Subspace Rhapsody was released. It is on uh, streaming services like uh, I've been listening to it on Spotify. I'm sure it's on other services mm-hmm. Amazon, as well. Yeah. So we have all of the songs from there, plus the the semi acapella opening credits and the uh, exit music or the the end theme, which is really kind of a, a, a medley of songs from the episode itself. So those are also in yeah. there. They're in play. As if that was <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yep, you can vote for those if you want. You could, you could indeed. All right. So we're going to go in reverse order again. We're going back up the line. Up the line. Okay. This was a toss up for me. And then I finally figured out why when I was listening to uh, you had put a link to Spotify, but it just had short snippets in it. And I went, ooh, I kind of like that better because it refreshed my memory on a lot of the aspects of That's each song. Okay. So I I am going to pick my first choice is I'm Ready, Nurse Chapel's song. I thought that had a nice poppy, almost a, uh, uh, can't remember her name. I'm so old. <laughs> uh, Britney Spears. That's what it was. Ah. Kind of had a Britney oh. Spears feel mm-hmm. to it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I liked the beat. I liked how they got other people involved singing the harmonies and the dancing and the whole thing. Uh, and and then that was immediately followed by I'm the X from Spock. And when I was listening to those snippets on Spotify, those two actually have very similar. You slow it down and you lower the tone and you've got chunks of I'm ready in I am the X. So they're complementary to each other. And I did not notice that during the show. It wasn't until... This afternoon when I was reviewing, went, oh, that's why I like them. And if I had to pick a karaoke song to do, I'm singing I Am The X. Okay. Just put it out there. If Ethan is there, you're going to sing it in front of Ethan? I most certainly will. (laughs) Somebody just has to make the karaoke version for, well, I suppose I could do that if I really tried hard enough. Not that hard. Okay. Uh, (laughs) What about you, Craig? Um. I think uh okay, setting aside the, the Klingon bit at the end. <laughs> you could um, I mean it's not listed separately, but you could you yeah, know, you know. Uh I did enjoy the We Are We Are One uh ensemble, but was the song uh 
what was the song? Which one was it? Keep us connected. The the one that um, keep us connected is the one who Horace sings herself in uh, engineering. In engineering, yes, that's the one I like. I like that one. You're not voting yeah. for life forms. You precious yeah. little life. Nobody's nobody's. I don't see that one on this. Uh, <laughs> no one's voting for that. So, um, keep us connected. I think was was really good. Uh, it really showcased her voice. She's oh yeah, fantastic. Head now to Eden. No, no one's voting for that either. No. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I came down. That. I came down to two songs. I came down to "I'm Ready," and uh, "How Would That Feel?" Because I just felt like that was that was the song that I thought had the most passion impact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're after. Just, you know. Um, so I think I'll go with that kind of almost because I'm ready was already has the spotlight shined on it because somebody else has already picked it. So I would go with that one. How would that feel? Okay. All right. Well, those are our opinions. If you have another song that you like better, let us know because we'd be interested to hear it. Um, And also what you thought about the episode and what you thought about um, hegemony as well. And how you feel about waiting for over a year for part two. Oh, maybe they'll just write it and make a podcast. Listener uh, Diane but- said she liked "I'm Ready" also, but it showed that Christine uh, felt like she was moving on too fast. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I, well, I agree. I think it was interesting then that they chose to kind of. You see, she's back again on the Enterprise, like almost right away. Yep. And now they I think kind of have to work through some of those issues. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, Spock was disjointed because she was like ready to just split yeah yeah, yeah. hey you know uh somebody's better off that came along peace out you know <laughs> what yeah. see ya no 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 all righty with that said it's time to refill the dead lithium chamber and oh. try to warp on out of here already with a song in our hearts oh so you can find me clinton <laughs> at eric's eric singing we need to have eric's singing we do, but first we need Eric's. We need to have Eric's on the. I know. I keep asking uh, uh, the showrunners, but yeah, Akiva, are you listening? All right. No, I know. <laughs> well, I shouldn't ask the question if I don't want to know the answer. Anyway, you can find me at Comedy Forecast, all one word, with the number four dot com, and all them streaming services, even Spotify, where you can get snippets of my show too. I guess. You can find me there. Who speaks for you guys? I defer to you, Chuck. (laughs) It's like pointing in the opposite directions. You can find us by searching for Technorama Podcast. Find us anywhere you find your popular podcasts. We do Technorama on Sunday nights at 8.30 Eastern Time if you want to join along with our live stream on Facebook and YouTube. We'd love to see you there. All right. With that said, it's time to hit the theme, boys. Already? Okay. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend about it and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter at The Topic is Trek. Oh, follow us on X, sorry. Visit our Facebook page or visit thetopicistrek.com. Until next time, on behalf of Chuck, Craig, and myself, I'm Clinton, thanking you for listening. And as we always say here on The Topic is Trek, no, wait, we can't say it. we got to wait a year to say it. No. <laughs> Don't. Don't. Put on the red shirts.
Enterprise. Oui.